0: This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Camp Brown, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. There are several ways in which people can see your relationship with God. One way is shown by your presence in church, like those of you who are here this morning at Ocean Lakes. Another way is shown by your actions tomorrow morning. Christianity, somebody has said, can be learned on Sunday, but it must be lived on Monday. Nelson Jackson is the founder of Ocean Lakes Campground. He passed away in 2010. He was here every Sunday till his passing. But I remember he used to get up and welcome the congregation every Sunday. And for years, you who have been here for a long time have heard Nelson Jackson say, thank you for being the Christians that you are seven days a week. How important that is. Luther Joe Thompson in his book, Monday Morning Religion, tells of a a clear-cut, clean-cut young man, very athletic, intelligent, industrious, He was the father of three children and the husband of a fine young wife, but he was not a Christian. For many months, that preacher had cultivated this fellow's friendship in an effort to win him to faith in Christ, but all with no positive response. Finally, one night in this man's living room, the preacher talked very forthright with him. He said, you believe in the Bible, don't you? You believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross to save you from your sins, don't you? Oh yes, I believe all that, said the young man. <clears throat> but preacher, you see, I work for one of your deacons. And he hesitated a moment as, as if he were embarrassed before he continued. And he said, and I sometimes think it wouldn't be any harder to get along with the devil himself. If that's what it is to be a Christian, uh, I don't think I want that for my life. Now, before we're all too quick to condemn this deacon who failed to demonstrate Christ-like quality in his life, let's make an observation about how the world sees Christians. The sad fact is that the world judges the church by its weaknesses, by its mistakes, by those who do not measure up to certain standards rather than by those who are noble representatives of our Christian faith. Many who are outside the church are quick to condemn church people for doing the very things they themselves are guilty of doing. One does not judge the quality of groceries by the character of the the grocer or the clerk at the checkout counter. One cannot discern the quality of clothes purchased by the personality of the save, sale clerk who sold you those clothes. I do not know of anybody who makes a gasoline purchase based on the driving skills of the operator of the gasoline truck that brought that gas to the station. And yet, people are quick to judge the church of the Lord Jesus Christ by the way in which professing Christians live up to their profession or fail to do so. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said that you and I are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He was talking about Monday morning Christianity, not what the people professed when they were in the synagogues. Simply being able to recite the proper words on Sunday is not enough. Many years ago, there was a little country church in the village of Kalinovka, Russia. It seems that the attendance in this church began to increase, especially the Sunday school attendance, because the priest there began handing out candy to the peasant children. One of the most faithful memorizers of Scripture was a little round-faced boy who recited his verses with an air of great piety and then hurried out in the fields to munch his sweets that he had won. In fact, this little boy recited so well, that the priest encouraged him to enter the weekday school, which the church sponsored. The boy's devout parents excused their lad from his chores to make possible his attendance at this church school. Before he stopped going to this school, this little Russian boy was said to have recited the entire four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, completely from memory. As he grew older, this same person was known still to recite scriptures, but in a different context. This prized pupil of the the Word of God came to be known as Nikita Khrushchev, the former communist dictator of Russia. It matters not to a wife if her husband whispers into her ear, I love you, I love you when the husband does not show this love in everyday consideration. When he's inconsiderate of her feelings, it matters very little what he says. Don't you know that God must get tired of all we say on Sundays when our lives on Monday morning attest to something entirely different? Oh, some people can be so smooth with words. Are you familiar with the word repartee? This is a noun which means a clever, a witty reply. Most of us can think of a clever, witty reply about 24 hours later. I I heard a good example of this some time ago. Maybe you've heard this story. It seems that a man walked into the produce section of his local supermarket and asked to buy half a head of lettuce. The boy working in that department told him they sold only whole heads of lettuce. But the man was insistent that the boy sell him just half of a head of lettuce. I don't need but half, and the rest is going to spoil before I can eat it. I demand that you sell me half a head of lettuce, said the man. And finally, after wrangling for a while, the man demanded to speak with the store manager. So walking to the back storeroom, the boy approached his manager quite unaware of the fact that this irate customer had followed him there. The boy blurted out to his manager, some stupid moron out there wants to buy half a head of lettuce. Noticing the consternation on the manager's face, the boy turned around to see that customer directly behind him, whereupon the boy added, and, sir, this kind gentleman behind me here wants to buy the other half. The, ma- the manager a- a- approved the deal, and the customer went away happily. Later, the boy was called to the manager's office where he was told, Son, I just wanted you to know that I was so very much impressed with the way you got yourself out of that sticky situation today earlier. We like people who can think on their feet here. Where are you from, son? The boy replied, I'm from Canada, sir. Well, why'd you leave Canada, asked the store manager. The boy replied, because there's nothing up in Canada but horribly ugly women and hockey players up there. Oh, really, said the manager. My wife is from Canada. The boy replied, no kidding, sir. Which team did she play for? (laughs) Well, now that is what you call repartee quick witty reply but in all reality we don't have to be quick with a wit or fast in the brain in order to be an effective witness for christ what the lord wants most of all from us is a life that is committed to him and he'll take care of the rest our number one goal should be simply to please him hugh latimer one of the leaders of the protestant reformation in england was appointed royal chaplain to King Henry VIII. At the beginning of his sermon one day before the royal court, Latimer exclaimed, Latimer, Latimer, thou art going to speak before the high and mighty king, Henry VIII, who is able, if he think fit, to take thy life away. Be careful what thou sayest, But Latimer, Latimer, remember also thou art able to speak and about to speak before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Take heed that thou dost not displease him. That bold and uncompromising preaching from Hugh Latimer finally brought him into disfavor with Henry VIII, and he was executed not during Henry VIII's reign, but during the reign of his successor. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine is an oft-quoted verse which remind us of how we come into a saving relationship with Jesus. You've heard the verse perhaps, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the next verse is important also. We don't quote that as often. That next verse, verse 10, goes on to tell us what God wants of us when we do become his child. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. One modern version uh, renders that last verse, God planned for us to do good things and to live as he's always wanted us to live. That's why he sent Christ to make us what we are. So God's great purpose for our lives is that we receive his free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus. Not something we can work for, earn, or buy, but as a gift Then, when that relationship is established, when we are His, then we do good works as an expression of our gratitude for what Christ has already done for us. During the First World War, an an Armenian nurse saw her brother murdered by a Turkish soldier. Afterwards, she was compelled by the Turkish government to take care of the wounded in an army hospital. One day, the same soldier who had murdered her brother was brought into the hospital unconscious, so badly wounded that he would die if he didn't receive careful attention. This young girl, the nurse, recognized that soldier immediately. Her desire for revenge was strong within her. But as a Christian, she felt it was her duty to care for him rather than to take his life even though she probably could do it simply through a slight delay and never be caught. As the soldier began to regain his strength after some days of expert Christian care from this nurse, he found what the situation was, and he asked her why she did for him what she had done. Her answer was simple, honest, and short. I did that, she said, because I am a Christian. The Turkish soldier replied, if Christ can make you act like that, then he is stronger than my Muhammad. Your Christ shall be my Christ also. Francis de Sales was asked once how to attain the virtue of a Christ-like life. He answered that it was through the little virtues that grow beneath the cross. He explained that these virtues are like violets growing in a shady nook, fed by the dew of heaven, and though unseen, they shed forth a sweet, precious odor. It is indeed beneath the cross, beside that empty tomb, that the virtues of the Christian life must be nourished. This is where we get our strength to live out our Christian faith on Monday morning, as well as on Sunday morning. You may know the little poem, There's a Sweet Old Story, translated for man, but written long ago. It's the gospel from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Christ and His mission below. Tis a wonderful story, that gospel of love, and it shines in the Christ life divine. And oh, that its truth might be told once again, in the story of your life and mine. You're writing a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. People read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel according to you? You You're writing each day a letter to men. Take care that the writing is true is the only gospel some will read, the gospel according to you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll help us to be consistent and in what we profess on Sunday will be reflected in our lives Monday through Saturday so that people can see that even with our failures, we're seeking to let the Christ-like life live in and through us. This we ask in his wonderful name. Amen.